I want to get to John 21 today, Peter's restoration. It may take me a little while to get there. Last Wednesday in Connections, we were looking at one of the Davidic Psalms, and uh, David's saying, I'm so grateful you pulled me out of the pit. And he goes on to say, while I cherished my sin, I was burning inside. And it just, there was no, no release until that was taken care of. And one of the things that I look at in regard to Christian life is that if you're going to embrace the idea of being transformed by the power of God, and you're going to recognize that you're developing holiness in Him, then you're going to have to learn how to deal with your own sin and shortcomings. When Jesus gave the, the Lord's Prayer, which I see as a form, you know, it, it starts out with acknowledgement of Him, and, it's, and it also addresses the, uh, you know, the daily issues. But then it says, uh, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And it, there's this recognition that there's this ongoing struggle. And I feel like if we learn how to deal with that appropriately, then there's not this constant overwhelming sense of shame or guilt or, or, or just even a, oh, a, a wanting to ignore things. But rather, it becomes more like saying, just like, I need to brush my teeth daily, need to wash up daily. This is one of those things that I do in the Lord daily. You know, it's, it's one of those things that it's just like taking a bath. You're going, there's an accumulation of filth during the day that's appropriate to clean up before you jump in bed. Got that, kids? It's, it's normal life. You get your teeth at the same time. So they don't all fall out. Now, it's, we, we treat that as being acceptable. But there's somehow this sense of, well, I shouldn't have to deal with these issues. Or I don't want to have to look at this. Or why would God let me go through this again? Or why would he even forgive me again? And yet the picture is of a God who forgives. Um, there's a story or an angelic vision given in Zechariah chapter 3 where um, Zechariah sees Joshua the high priest standing before God. And this is after Jerusalem has fallen apart and things are in awful shape and they're trying to rebuild things and it's, it's slow going. And he says Satan's standing right there accusing Joshua, and he's accusing Jerusalem and saying, they sinned, you know, let them burn up. And, and the declaration is maybe, this is a burning branch that's been snatched out of the flame. It's like, yeah, their, their lives have been scorched, but I'm the God who changes this. I, I, I'm the God who restores and I have a plan for Jerusalem that goes beyond their destruction that happened. And, and so he's, he speaks about Joshua and he says, yeah, put clean clothes on him. The guy's filthy. 
put clean clothes on them. And then Zechariah gets involved in vision and says, well, put a turban on his head too. You know, so it's an interactive dream. I, I, I don't know all of that or how it all works. But it is a beautiful picture of God saying, yeah, I disciplined them. Yeah, they've been scorched from their sin. Yeah, there's troubles. But I also said I would restore them. And I also said I would build them back. And, and so there is that picture of our God who is not undone by our sin, but rather makes accommodation to forgive us for it. And so when, when we're looking at the issues of life, if we can develop this awareness that says, yeah, I messed up today, but God, please deal with this and help me to process this so it doesn't happen again. I often watch people who will walk around with their heads down, incapable of eye contact, even as adults. And something in me goes, I wonder what they're carrying. You know, wonder what wonder what they can't seem to unpack. And oftentimes that's generational, right? You're trained into a system where it's shame and you know guilt from grandparents, parents on. And it's this kind of walking through life of just, you know, I'm unworthy of anything. Well, until Christ comes in, you know, that's, that's an appropriate awareness, but it's not the full awareness of what his forgiveness does and what his forgiveness is capable of doing. And the message that we bring to people is you can be set free of this. You don't have to walk around this way. And so it's a beautiful thing to come to an awareness that he truly does want to release me from these things. And while I'm on this, before I get into this further, if things keep coming back up, that might be the accusation of the enemy, but it also might be being used by God to say, there's more for you to unpack in this till you're, so you can be fully set free. There's more for you to, to go through, walk through in this or understand so that you can truly be released. So at, at, at times it's like we see the immediate and we're going... That was so dumb. I don't even know why I did that again. And yet there are, are drivers that maybe are second and third level deeper that we haven't figured out yet. Until we learn how to take care of those things, we're not going to be truly free. And God, in his graciousness, brings that to us and lets us dive deep so that the fullness of cleansing may come. Let's go to, to Peter. Now, Jesus sets about restoring his disciples. Seven of them have gone back to fishing. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't look at that as just a fully giving up. If they didn't work every day, they didn't eat. And, and so they didn't have the bank system that we do, so to speak, 
and they didn't have the, the big enough network for others to provide for a Peter as they would later on when the church blew up in growth. But there's this, there's this time when, you know, it's like, what else are you going to do? Go back and make some money so that you can take care of the issues of life. So whatever the case, they go back to the fishing. And it's intriguing to me that Jesus chooses to address them there. Remember when he called them, he called them after they had gotten done fishing. Jesus was teaching by the lake. The crowds were pressing in. He gets into a couple boats that are empty. It turns out that it's Peter's and then John's. You know, he gets into the boat, and, and when he gets done teaching, he tells Peter, um, yeah, go out in the deep and cast your nets in, and, and you'll catch fish. Peter's gone, well, that's your word, but we fished all night and didn't catch a thing. And I'm assuming that with the nets that they had, it wasn't the clear thread. You know, it, it was such that casting them at night gave the fish less warning, right? And so they're going out fishing during the day after everything's been put up. And he's going, well, you know, just to keep you happy. And they, they have a huge catch. And immediately Peter goes, I am sinful. Just, just please go away. That's his first response in encountering the power of God. <laughs> They're stuck in this boat. <laughs> and he said, I am too close to holiness. This isn't good. They get back to shore, and, and Jesus tells them, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And it says... They leave everything and follow him. So that was the calling. And then before the crucifixion, Jesus is talking to him again, and he says, Satan has demanded that he gets a chance to sift you like wheat. And Peter goes, I'll go to prison. I will die for you, but I am not going to fall away. I'm not going to deny you makes his bold, strong statement. And I'm sure that he meant it. And yet, Jesus responds back and says, well, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. I mean, before morning is, is out there, you're going you're gonna to deny me. And uh, Peter, no way. Well, it happens. Jesus tells him at the same time, he says, but when you've turned back, I want you to, to lead folks. So Jesus is looking at him, says, you're going to fail, but he says, I am continuing that word of your calling and making you a fisherman, and so I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. I'm praying that you just don't give up. But I'm praying that, you know, when you get back on track, then, then lead others. So all of this has been stated. And we come into this 21st chapter of John, and the guys are out fishing. And Jesus tells them, uh, yeah, cast your nets on the, on the right side, and, and you'll catch fish. Now, they're out about 100 yards. He can't see the fish. 
And yet, that's what happens. And one of the disciples goes, that's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat. He's ready to get back into relationship. He gets to the shore, and Jesus is cooking some bread and fish. And You know, I, I, why did they let him get away even after he, he had met with them the first time after the resurrection? And yet, you know, he used to go off and pray all night. You know, there, there were dynamics there that I, I don't know how it worked day by day with them. But whatever, he had revealed himself to them already. And then they had separated. Then the disciples went fishing. Now they're saying, it's Jesus again. And, and Peter's going, we've got to see him. It's a huge catch, and it's, it's a miracle. And again, it's, it's building on this thing and, and their awarenesses. And, and so they have this meal, and Jesus is, is open. The, you know, he's... He's got the fire going. He says, bring some fish, and he feeds them. He's got the bread for them. So they, they have this awesome time. And then he addresses Peter. And this is intriguing to me because he could have addressed this back in the upper room or the room when they're all gathered the first time he sees them. He could have gone after, you guys all split. What's going on? Don't do that anymore. But he picks his time. He picks the right moment. And he actually sets the stage for them. And I'm looking at that and going, in our own lives, you may wonder why, why does this thing, why am I aware of it now? when I've truly been functioning this way for years. And, and why should I, you know, all the whys that come up, and, and let's at minimum just say, God can pick his time and way and develop the setting that he wants to push this button and say, now we're going to take care of this. Now, we, in, on our side, we can be shocked by the response to the temptations that Satan's brought to us. I mean, it's intriguing, too, just to say Satan was given the right to, to shake these guys' lives. You know, we're used to reading the book of Job and saying, that guy got wiped out. You know, and to say, you know, Satan can pick an area of weakness so that that he acknowledges and says, yeah, I see that as a problem. And if I set this up, they'll fail. And yet we're surprised when we do fail, right? We're going, I didn't know that was in me. I want to believe better in myself than what has been shown. And yet in that moment, God's already provided a means of restoration and an opportunity. He's already set the table, so to speak, for bringing Peter back into restoration and in some ways for us to be able to see and say he does the same for us as well. It's, it's amazing to me 
that Jesus, he can, he can let go the initial meeting. He can let go even the, the gathering. And yet he's not going to ignore the situation. But he's picking his timing. And I look at that as a, a thing of kindness and generosity and caring. You know, if something's on our minds, oftentimes we can't wait to speak it out. And oftentimes if we feel we've been wronged, we're quick to run and just, hey, what are you doing? And it's more about ourselves than it is anything to do with the kingdom. And yet, in this situation, they've, they've shared the meal, and then Jesus comes back to it and he, he looks at Peter and he goes, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. And the initial thing, too, and oftentimes when we confront the horror of what we've done is that uh, we'd like a quick fix one and done, right? Sorry. <laughs> Let's go. Jesus doesn't let him off the hook that easy. Comes back a second time and, and uh, again says, uh, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Shepherd my sheep. And Peter, you know, okay. Do what you say. And then there's the third time. It's like, I don't think it's accidental. Three denials, three times the confrontation. I think Jesus was uh, making Peter aware this was significant, it was wrong, but I still have plans for you. That's kind of astounding, isn't it? That when we receive a sense of call in the Lord and we have this sense of purpose and destiny that God is fully aware of our failure potential, right? Fully aware of the frailties of our life or the weaknesses or the tendencies that we have. And it's not that he's embracing of them, but at the same time, he's not saying, well, sorry, you, you had your chance. You, uh, you chose not to do what I... I'm sorry, I've got to click the box and, and you're gone. But rather, he's, he's, he's made provision to bring us into health even through those things. And he's telling Peter, I have not released you from this call that I have for your life. I have not dismissed you. I've not set you aside. I am not ignoring what's going on. But as we address this, there's still this job that I have in store for you or this work that I want you to accomplish. Pretty amazing. 
that when we can walk into a thing and we're looking at it and going, yeah, that's probably stepped over the line too far. Now it's done. At, at minimum, I still hope that I'm saved. <laughs> and yet, in this moment, Jesus is telling Peter, I have a job for you. It's the same job I told you you'd have in the beginning. And I want you to get this done. So the third time, and Peter's upset by that point. He says he's distressed. He says, Jesus says, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. So there's, Jesus didn't ignore. He didn't downplay it. But he hit it head on, and it offered the opportunity of full release and truly being set free. How amazing is that and wondrous for us? Not the fact that it's confronted and, and we have to look at it, but the fact that it is confronted so that we can look at it and get past it. So Peter didn't have to walk around the rest of his life looking at the ground saying, yeah, I, I really messed up. And, you know, I had this great opportunity in the Lord he had opened the door for me. I had this window of time where it just looked like things were rolling. And then the wheels fell off the wagon. Peter's not going to have to walk with that because Jesus challenged it and then reaffirmed that he was still his and that he had a job for him to do. If we can get a hold of that and we can make that a part of our lives on a regular basis, it is like brushing your teeth or washing your face, cleaning up your hands before the meal. It sets you up for health. Now, there's a little bit left to this story. Um, Jesus, you know... Peter says, I'd be willing to die for you. And basically, Jesus tells him in this moment, you are going to die for me. He says, uh, you know, you, you could tie your clothes on the way you wanted. You know, eventually, people are going to tie you up. And you used to go wherever you wanted to. You know, you could go fishing when you wanted to. You just, you know, you did what you wanted. He says, yeah, people are going to take you where you don't want to go. So, you know, he's being reinstated, but he's also told, yeah, some of that hint of uh, willing to die. Yeah, it's going to be asked of your life. And uh, I think maybe Peter at this point is going, okay, yeah, you've, we've dealt with this. You know, can we just move on? What about, what about John? You know, and he points to one of the other disciples. How about him? And, and Jesus just goes, 
none of your concern. What I want to do with him, you know, that's completely different. I'm talking to you. And, and it's like, when we, again, address the issues of life, well, so-and-so just seems to keep getting away with stuff over and over. Try this in marriage, right? You know? That's a, I'm on the edge, right? I gotta this is I gotta navigate this just right. Just it's 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 easy to look at the other person and say, I wish that they'd get this put together. I'm sure Shar thinks that all the time. And yet, when God, when we're looking at those things, God invariably goes, I'm dealing with you. I, I'm looking at you. I'm not, you know, I got my own thing with them, but I'm looking at you at this moment. What are you going to do about this? And we have to say, yes, Lord. Okay. So he says, follow me. He tells Peter, you know, whatever with him, you follow me. That's what I've asked you to do. So (laughs) I, uh, I look at this, and it's this thought of, if we can learn how to do this in a healthy manner, then we can continue to grow in the Lord in a way that he's designed. If we recognize the goodness of God that's willing to forgive our sin and our ongoing failure, then we can also know that his calling is not going to just be stripped away capriciously just because there was something that didn't go right. Now, obviously, you can ruin your your ability to declare that God's grace and and have any kind of audience if you live in your life profanely, right? You can really diminish the capacity of what's potential for you if you live like a fool. But the stamp of God on your life is available, and he wants to take you to places that you could only dream of going if you'll allow him to deal with the, the daily grime, so to speak. And as you step closer and closer into his light and recognize, oh, that shirt has a spot on it that didn't shine in this other light, and it's time to, to wash up a bit, there's this awareness that our lives truly are transformed And there's a change going on that's day by day by day by day. And at some point you look back and go, I really have changed. And these areas really have been purified. And I actually am walking with my head up, looking at others in the face and not afraid of what's going to be seen. What an incredible thing that is. So, Lord, we ask that as we walk through this process together,
I ask for each one here, there would be a sense of sins forgiven as they make confession before you. I ask that there would be a confidence that as long as their hearts are willing to pursue you and to love you, that you are willing to cleanse and purify from all unrighteousness. And I ask, Lord, that maybe even dreams of things to accomplish in you that have been set before an individual that doesn't know if this is even possible anymore, there'd be a recognition that your call is still there and your desire is to complete it and that faith would remain strong. Guide us in that, we pray. Amen. We have the privilege of leaving here clean to no sins forgiven. Not a perfect people, a forgiven people. What an awesome thing that is. We take that message to others that they can find the experience of God's forgiveness as well. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to be washed by you. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.